0: Hey there, Soul Familia, welcome back to another episode of
1: The Spiritual Gaze! I am one of your hosts, Angel, and I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense.
0: No, because we are tired of pretending and pretenders.
1: Yeah, we are certainly tired of the pretenders. (laughs) Not the band from the 80s. No, we're never tired of you. Yeah. Didn't they sing, I would walk 500 miles?
0: <laughs> no. No, that wasn't them? No, that was the Proclaimers. Was it really? Yeah, the Pretenders oh. <laughs> sang <laughs> many, many songs. Chrissy Hind was their lead singer, uh-huh. and they sang a song called Brass in Pocket, or the song I'll Stand By You. How I'll, does that one go? I'll stand by you, won't let nobody oh, hurt yeah. you. I mean, I, sur- I
1: mean, who doesn't know that
0: song? Yeah so that's the pretenders
1: got it okay well thank you for helping me to discern the difference between the two of them not the pretenders we
0: were speaking of
1: no no
0: but let's talk about who we are we are not pretenders
1: no we are real people <laughs> out here trying to do real things trying to do real work trying not to pretend yeah who are you i am brandon alter i am a healer I am a writer and a performer, and I'm also a tarot reader and teacher and astrologer and mystic and spiritual weirdo and queeler. That was beautiful, honey. A queer healer. Apparently, that phrase is really, is really picking up some steam. People are really digging it. People are really responding to it, so I'm, I'm proud to stand by it. And when we make T-shirts, one day we'll make a T-shirt that says Queeler. I have no idea how we how will we spell it. I would imagine Q U E E L E R, not Q U E A L E R, because it's like queer and healer. See, there's so much work to be done. There is work to be done. Who
0: are you, baby? I'm Angel Lopez. I am an astrologer and a writer and a producer. And a healer and a teacher and, of course, a
1: queeler. Queeler! <laughs> and I'm your husband. Yes, So we are married. We live together. We work together. We've been quarantined together. And we haven't killed each other yet.
0: No. And we've also been able to keep the dog alive. Yeah, the dog's happy. thriving. <laughs> well, right now he's napping. Well, he's thriving through napping. He is, <laughs> thankfully. But anyhow, uh, you know, when we released our last episode, it was we had recorded it pretty much right before. I mean, it was before the death of George Floyd. Yeah, it was before the death of George Floyd. And of course, since that terrible tragedy, the world has, thankfully, erupted into. Major protests and what seemed to be actual awakenings around the racial injustice in this country and in this world. And we really wanted to. Take this episode to, of course, speak to the current times and everything that's going on, but also talk about how some of this relates to the spiritual community and movement. So, this isn't going to be your usual spiritual gaze episode, per se no segments no segments no dose of reality no because we're getting the real dose of reality that I think we all need right now
1: we just wanted to try to have a honest possibly clunky conversation <laughs> yeah about prejudice in the spiritual community um and we're not we're not black men we can't speak to the black experience And we don't want to make this all about us in the first place, but we are an interracial gay couple, and we thought that this is a really good time, particularly because this is our two-year anniversary podcast episode. Yeah, man. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. (laughs) To look back on what we've learned Mm -hmm. and what we're still learning, and to maybe speak to some of the things in the spiritual community that we've observed and that maybe people are ready to hear and to address.
0: Yeah, we actually put a call out through our Instagram just to see if there were specific things we could open up for discussion. And we got some really great responses from y'all. So we will touch on those. But yeah, I do think it's important to... To say, you know, like as you said, Brandon, that, you know, yeah, we obviously are not black men. We cannot speak to the black experience uh, really in any way. Uh, But we do know that it's beyond high time for everyone to wake up to the prevalent racism that has existed in this world, in this culture, and in this society. And you've heard us speak about even just the astrology of this time, and how all of the old systems and structures are crumbling down this year. You know, they were no longer working for us. And I can only just like hope and pray that this really is that time.
1: And that the system that we're really talking about is like the system of hetero, patriarchal white supremacy.
0: Yeah. And that everything that's been built upon it. Yeah. I mean, our government's been built upon it. Our culture has been built upon it. Our entertainment has been built upon it.
1: Each and every one of our individual psyches. Has been built upon it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we're all coming to
0: terms with, right? We're all having to like face within ourselves
1: is our own internal racism. Totally. And no one no one, is excluded from this. No. I mean, I can just say like, as a gay man, I have internal homophobia, you know? Um, that That my gayness doesn't prohibit me from experiencing that. So no matter who you are, it might just be time to invite yourself to look at your shadow and to look at what you've maybe learned um, and to unlearn it. And listen, we're not sitting here. We're not racial experts. We are experts on astrology and tarot <laughs> <Yeah>. and shamanic <laughs> skills. That's what we bring to y'all. Exactly. But we're, but we're hoping that we can just, you know, explore these subjects through these lenses. Um, and if we're wrong, let us know. Um, Yeah, we're willing to be wrong. We're super willing to be wrong. And the truth is, you've heard me say this before, like you can only lead where you have followed. So right now, you know, like we are following our own um, deep dives into ourselves to explore our own inner, you know, inner racist selves as in the same way that we've, you know, tried to explore our own inner misogyny, our own inner homophobia. Mm -hmm. And we'll let you know what we find. And we hope it empowers you all to do the same.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean... We know we have a community here. We are obsessed with our community. We're obsessed with <laughs> We're you, obsessed with you all. gazers. Yeah, we really are. Yeah, and you are some of the most beautiful, open-minded people um, that we've had the chance to not meet, <laughs> but meet to virtually meet. Yeah, to to meet uh, on a deeper level. To queat? To no, don't say that. <laughs> To queer meet? That one's not gonna work. Queet? Nice to queet you. <laughs> nice to
1: queet, stop it. I wish I could queet you. Uh, okay,
0: enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're gonna try to keep it fun too, y'all. <laughs> I mean, that's who we are. Uh, but what was I saying? I have no idea. I don't know what I was saying. We haven't there, gotten but to yeah. queet them, but, but we will one
0: day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yes, we adore all of you. And we just felt like it was important to lean into this discussion and lean into this space right now because we're all experiencing it we're all approaching it in our own ways and there's no right or wrong way to approach it but we all need to be approaching it in some way we all need to be engaging with this time
1: yeah and spiritual practice is about getting comfortable in the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so If you're feeling uncomfortable right now, congratulations. You're living. You're living. And spiritually, we want to lean into it. Yeah. So I think one of the things we wanted to talk about is our experiences of prejudice within the spiritual community, because the spiritual community itself is by no means exempt from prejudice, privilege, racism, misogyny, homophobia, all of that stuff. Yeah. And. I think it's a really great opportunity for all of us as we start to experience the spiritual community widening and broadening and becoming more inclusive to just talk about it directly. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, and I think a real important word in that is privilege, right? Because I think a lot of even just like spirituality based mentality lends itself to a mindset of privilege.
1: Yeah, well you have time and money to explore interests beyond the physical. Right. Which just based on the system in which we live is privilege based.
0: Yeah, and that's where race and class are even like more tightly wound. 100%. Right?
1: Yeah, you want to go on a 2-week yoga teacher training? That's a privilege, you know? Completely. You want to you know, have expendable income to take a weekend workshop, that's privilege. Even like to be able to buy a tarot deck, if all you can really afford is like to pay your bills and buy yourself food, you know, like there's a degree of privilege that comes in. Now, that's not to say that as far as I'm concerned, like spirituality is the backbone of life, you know, but it doesn't need to be purchased. You don't need to buy these things. And there is a lot of like spiritual materialism.
0: Definitely, which is almost its own topic. A whole other episode, (laughs) and we don't need to get on that. Yeah, let's not get into capitalism today, right? Though it's all tied in.
1: It is. Well, of course it's all tied in. Yeah. But yeah, your spiritual practice does not need stuff, FYI. No. A rock works just as well as a crystal, and you can go get one for free. (laughs) That having been said, what we're really talking about is just the inherent privileges that we've witnessed within the spiritual community, and how that keep certain people out and if you look at a lot of the spiritual teachers and people that are successful in the spiritual industry and we're using the word spiritual kind of broadly you know like this could talk to astrologers or you know meditation teachers or yoga instructors but it's predominantly white people Mm -hmm. and it attracts an audience of predominantly white biological females Yeah,
0: well, because like attracts like, right? Totally. It's, It's
1: creating like a zone for
0: safety. So if you see an attractive white person standing at the front of a room ushering you in, you want to be near them in hopes that you can be associated with that attractive white person who is also on some level enlightened. You know, that's what you want. But if you are a black, brown, indigenous, you know, POC, usually queer too. I mean, I think because you don't necessarily have like or a massive level of queer leaders in that space, uh, it becomes a little harder to want to step into that room,
1: right? Yeah, for sure.
0: You see that person and you go, oh, am I welcome? Is it safe for me? Am I going to actually feel a part of this community
1: totally i mean the first thing i always do unconsciously whenever i go into any sort of like training or group is i'm always looking around i'm like is am i the only gay person here right are there any other gay people here you know and i've had a lot of experiences where i am yeah but you are a white man. I am a white man, yes, <laughs> for sure. So I would imagine that helps you in some way. Yeah, for sure. And I'm also like very comfortable with my femininity. So I have always felt more comfortable around women than men anyways. So that has also helped me just in terms of feeling comfortable in some of those situations, but I've also been like fetishized in spiritual communities just like for being gay, you know, in the same way that I think a lot of gay people find themselves being fetishized by heterosexual people.
0: Yeah. And as, you know, a relatively like white presenting Latinx man, um, I too, I think, have been able to like slide into some of these places um, and at least feel more safe. But at the same time, I still feel the cultural divide, you know, that's where then for me, um, I have felt challenged at times feeling accepted or just welcomed into some of these spaces. So, yeah, I think even when you look at like just the tools that are available for people, I mean, we've talked about like tarot decks in the past, you know, that,
1: that until recently, It was mostly white people on tarot decks.
0: Yeah, well, and the reality is that a lot of the tarot decks that are coming out that are presenting black and brown faces on them are still being created by white people. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You got to do your research. You have to really take a look at, like, who's behind these things. Girl. Which I want to say that I appreciate the... Push for inclusivity, but at the same time, I'm also like, but are you also capitalizing on the societal climate of now? Like, what are you doing to actually engage other people, you know, or engage POCs uh, to be involved in the process of making it? And that also then brings up, too, like, just like cultural appropriation which we've touched on in past episodes we talked about i believe in like our shamanism episode
1: and we're gonna touch on it a whole lot more yeah (laughs) because the gazers want to want to hear us talk about it yeah
0: um yeah we had some questions come in about it um so we'll we'll dive into that more um when we start to really look at the questions but um i think it's all tied up right that it's important to see what's being presented especially if you are a White person or white presenting person of color, um, you know, to when you who is trying to cultivate these spaces, right? Who's trying to, on some level, even do what we do, what we do, right? You know, um, that you do it like really mindfully moving forward,
1: which is why we do what we can do to like make scholarships available to queer or BIPOCs when we, you know certain classes or like all my tarot classes I always had a couple scholarship spots available for people because I'm really interested in a diverse spiritual community because a whitewashed spiritual community isn't really a spiritual community so we're just speaking to it we don't have any answers we just have awareness that's that's what I'm going to be saying for like the next five years I don't have any answers I just have awareness (laughs) until spirit gives me a couple answers but I think the awareness is the entry You know, like we have to become aware of the gross inequalities and and then, you know, we will learn the actions to take.
0: Yeah. And I think it just becomes about it just becomes about mindfulness. Right. I mean, that's like the basic principle or one of the basic principles of this work. So I know for myself, even like I've just become more mindful of even when I'm crafting messages to put out into the world you know like I realize like how much like ultimately my goal is just to inspire people motivate them you know usually using the astrology of the moment to send messages of inspiration and ambition and all of these things but I've even become more mindful of how okay well these messages are received potentially one way by a certain community and and differently by another like I have to even be more mindful of just like what is the messaging that I'm putting out there and like is it messaging that like is built on a privileged mentality does that make sense yeah can you be more specific though just in that you know when you kind of are telling people, like, you know, you have the ability to achieve anything. You know, like, it's just your inner demons that hold you back. Like, yes, that is true to a, to a large degree, right? That our inner demons are sometimes responsible or mostly responsible for our insecurities and our inabilities to move forward. But when you then transpose that onto the actual tangible real world we live in, you know, there are some people who also have to look around at their environment and they're up against More things just beyond their just demons. their inner demons. So it's- So, you know, it's like, yeah, you just got to fucking slay those inner inner demons, girl. And it's like, well, yeah, there's that, but also like systemic oppression and like violence and like fear to just walk out onto the street, you know, like that I think is important to like remember, you know, as we're putting these messages out into the world. Yeah. Because it's shit that on some level, too, like I've also like experienced. And I think you almost like want to forget it. Like I sometimes just want to like, again, it's easy for me to like slip into just like a privileged mindset of like, well, that's not my experience anymore. And I'm just going to attribute what I, how I got out of it to, well, it's because I slayed my inner demons girl, but it's actually like, well, I did slay my inner demons, but I also like have a little more privilege than certain people. So I was able to like slip through the cracks of like certain systems because perhaps because of the way I looked, or you know, because I—well, I was gonna say I was gonna say money, but I never really—yeah, money was never a thing that was just given to me. But you do have—I <laughs> don't have financial privilege, but you do have pretty privilege. Oh, do I? Yeah, you have pretty privilege. Wow, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, I never thought so with these teeth. You have pretty privilege. Oh, thank you. Um, but these—these these are things, right? That thank we you, all, Janet
1: Mock, by the way, for pretty privilege.
0: What? Oh, that she taught that? Yeah. I think it's it's an important privilege to be aware of. Oh, it's a very important privilege. I mean, it's one, as someone who never felt pretty, you know, for much of my life, like, it's one that I was very aware of (laughs) most of my life.
1: Well, is now the time to bring up, uh, like, could we slide into, like, maybe she manifested it, maybe it's white privilege? Yeah. So I do think that manifestation is such a big buzzword in spiritual communities, creating vision boards and manifesting your dreams, co-creating your life with the universe. And yes, absolutely, we believe in manifestation, but I think that manifestation can be confused with privilege. Right. Like, did you manifest that or are you just in a position of privilege, right? And it's possible Mm -hmm. because manifestation is a lot about your mental structures, right? So just the privilege of... Being raised in a world and in a community where you're told you can do anything, that's like a quite a few steps ahead.
0: Oh my God, yeah.
1: In terms of any sort of like manifestation framework, right?
0: Girl, if I had been told you could do anything and like lived in a, in a world where like I actually could like look out and see that, I'd be running for governor. Totally.
1: Well, actually, no, because I never want to be in politics. But. You'd be a great governor. <laughs> Thanks. So... Again, just something we want to bring some awareness around and awareness, mindfulness. These are actually actions that we can take. It's the first action. We know from, you know, Buddhist philosophy that just being aware of something, the witnessing of something changes it. Yeah, Just witnessing it changes it. Just seeing it changes it. So that's a lot of what we're doing and what we'll probably be continuing to doing is just witnessing things, Mm -hmm. speaking, you know, truth to power. Um.
0: Yeah, but then I think it is important to, you know, how do you translate that as well to action in the world, right? Because something I've been thinking about, too, which is like spirituality or the spiritual movement is I feel like there is some mentality in it that cultivates this idea of like, well, I just want to live in a, in a world of love and light, you know so i'm oh, going to close myself out from oh, like totally this terrible world around me cuz they're just it's not love and light spiritual and like, bypass yes, we talked about it spiritual bypass exactly
1: bypassers. yeah
0: and so i think that that really like your spirituality is, is here
1: to walk you through the swamp it's not to put you in a little playpen with unicorns for the rest of your life right and we have to be aware of that and that yes we want to approach everything from love, but we also understand that there's tough love, right? And yeah. sometimes the most spiritually loving thing you can do to somebody is to tell them to fuck off. <laughs> Truly, True. No. there are certain situations yeah. where that is the loving, most loving thing you can do. Yeah, and we don't want to hide from the uncomfortable truths by just whitewashing it with love and light. No, that's also privilege. If you, like, only the privileged can afford to go like, well, I'm just going to pay attention to the love and light and all of this. Whereas the real spiritual approach is that everything is happening for our benefit, even if we don't understand how it's benefiting us and we need to engage with it, truly encounter what's coming up, like the collective shadow, like our own personal shadow, so that we can be transformed into beings that can have a greater capacity for love and light, including shining the light on darkness, including loving our enemies and loving the most despicable, twisted, deformed parts of ourselves, loving them into a healed state. Yeah. That's shadow work, motherfuckers.
0: Totally. And I think that you mentioned it about the collective shadow, right? And right now, like, that's what we're all doing. Like, we're all banding together. Well, not all of us, but... A lot of us. A lot of us. A fuck ton. A fuck ton are banding together to really face the collective shadow that has been fucking you know, just shrouding this world and this culture. And as far as I'm concerned, like, yes, spirituality is about stillness and silence and going within. But spirituality is also a contact sport.
1: Yes, queen, that's another t shirt. (laughs) Spirituality is a context for. Yeah, no, I mean, action. I mean, shamanic practice is all about action. It's not, that is not a passive spiritual practice. Right.
0: And collective, right? Like, we're here to like shift collective consciousness. 100%. Like, we're not here to just like evolve into a Buddha on the mountaintop.
1: For our own well being. Yeah, get your gold star and enter into the gates of heaven. No, yeah, that's you're doing ego it. Shit. Yeah, you're doing it for your community and you're doing it for your descendants and your descendants' descendants. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah, there was so much like vitriol around like the rioting and the rioters. And yes, there were definitely people who took advantage of opportunity and, you know, went and got themselves a Chanel bag.
1: Yeah, and there will always be people that will do whatever they can take to get a Chanel bag.
0: Totally. But. The fact that there were people who, for the most part, if not... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, everyone I saw who was being like hit with violence were just from police who were engaging with peaceful protesters and engaging them in violence and hence then causing the pushback. You know, like I rarely saw, again, if ever, saw, you know, protesters instigating violence that just wasn't happening no and but even still like you know then you had all these people talking about like well rioting is not the answer and and you know all of that but at the end of the day like as you've probably seen the meme like stonewall was a riot like that's how all of us queers like got to where we are right now you know because there was fighting in the streets there was shouting there was anger martin luther king gandhi they were out there with the people protesting yeah we were talking about like those buddhist monks who basically would light themselves on fire totally in protest yep like putting their bodies on the line these are spiritual people heroes spiritual heroes totally And not that I'm encouraging anyone who's listening to this to go light yourself on fire. Please do not. Please do not.
1: (laughs) But there's no need for that at this moment in time.
0: No, because right now it's like the collective voices, that collective shouting, like knowing that that is part of your soul's path to engage in that way, like that's what you can be doing. And I think it is important that not everyone's path is a scream and shout. No, not at all. Right? Like, that's your soul's path. I was actually even thinking from an uh, an astrology point. I was like, I wonder, like, what, you know, how do you find out, like, how do how do you protest? Like, wh- where does that manifest in your chart? You know, like, is that a Mars thing, probably? But anyhow. That's Homer for us. We'll find out your protest
1: style based <laughs> on your astrology. <laughs> yeah. We'll meditate on that.
0: Should we get to some of the things that came in from...
1: Yeah, I think so. Because there was a lot Listeners. of stuff that came in around, like, what are we supposed to do about our racist ancestors? And that's very much connected to this collective shadow that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we are illuminating and calling out this, this, this shadow that has been put in place by the perpetuation of the people that a lot of us come from. Yeah. And what are we supposed to do about it? And again, we want to reiterate, like,
0: we are not experts... In race? Nope. <laughs> sure not. Yeah. Like, we are just here doing what felt called to us. Totally. And so here we go.
1: Yeah. So feel free to, you know, slide into our DMs and, and help us grow.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there was, uh, yeah, I think a question just to what you said, uh, you know, as a white person, how to... How do we work with ancestors who were oppressive and hurt many BIPOC people in the past? And then we had, yeah, someone wanting to talk about ancestral healing. Uh, What are our thoughts on dealing with the less luminous ancestors? And even uh, someone who said that they had heard from or had seen like this black witch that they follow on Instagram um, said that white people should be confronting their racist ancestors at this time. And, you know, how do you do so? And just what are our thoughts on that? So, so as someone who does a lot of
1: ancestral work... Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm by no means an expert in ancestral healing work. I'm a student of ancestral healing work because I'm working on healing my own ancestral bloodlines. Um, and we all got some pretty dark shit you know you go back far enough and most of us don't need to go back too far maybe some of our living ancestors uh but one of the teachers whom i really respect is daniel four f-o-o-r and he suggests that the best thing we can do to start to start with is to align with our luminous ancestors and to have them act as the intermediaries between us and our ancestors who are not as well. And I think this is a wise place to start because unless you have some real skills in psychopomp work, in shamanic or spiritual or witch practice, it's probably gonna open you up to more harm than good to directly confront racist ghosts in your bloodline. This is my personal belief. You know, the thing about our ancestors is because they are in our blood, because they are so close to us, we have to work especially hard to create boundaries because they can just kind of slide in. That's why, for example, an ancestral altar needs to be contained, needs to have a lid on it or be in a room that you can walk away from, as opposed to other altars that can just be out in the open because we have to be clear to our ancestors when we want their help and when we don't. And so. The truth is, is that if you have racist ancestors, the first thing you can do is to heal yourself. Heal the racism in yourself. Start with you. Don't bypass you by trying to put the problem outside of yourself. I remember a couple of years ago when I was like, how do I heal? You know, I journeyed on how do I heal my ancestors? And they were like, just keep working on yourself, boo-boo. So that's number one. Keep working on yourself. But if you are interested in beginning to explore where there is healing that needs to be done in your ancestral lines, start by figuring out for yourself who are the luminous well ancestors. And you're never going to have a well ancestor that's racist. It's never going to happen. Because racism, prejudice of any kind, would indicate an illness, an unwellness. Racism or prejudice is how we separate ourselves from the collective right? So if you're working with a well ancestor who has connected to the oneness, there's no way that they can be harboring those beliefs.
0: But do you think that that's because they they must have already accomplished that in their living?
1: So let's just take a quick moment. And here's my 101 on beliefs, personality, and death, right? So we take our beliefs with us after we die. You are no different from who you are alive than who you are dead. So if you were a miserable, misogynistic, racist when you were alive, you die, and now you're a misogynistic, racist, miserable, and you're dead. Now, there's a lot that can happen when you're dead. You could have someone that comes and heals you, somebody that transforms you, that reconnects you to the oneness. Essentially, the journey is that if we are in any way unreconciled with our life here, if we've behaved in ways that we are not reconciled with, that keeps us stuck here, which means that we cannot reconnect to the oneness and we cannot become luminous ancestors for our descendants. So we all have some ancestors. It might be hundreds, thousands of years back, but I guarantee you, each and every one of you in one of your floor bloodlines has some ancestor that lived in a good way and that can be an ally for you. I guarantee it. But then there might be others who were not so great when they were alive. But there was somebody in your bloodline who was willing to do some ancestral healing work that went back and helped them reconcile their life and helped liberate them from those beliefs that were keeping them stuck. And now they can come and be luminous ancestors. Because I I journeyed on this, you know, and one journey is by no means a co- and one journey is by no means a holistic answer. It's a rough draft at best. But I was just curious how might we begin to address our racist ancestors? The question I journeyed on is how, show me how we can transform our racist ancestors into allies. And one of the things I was shown is that it's a freeing. Any sort of prejudice, any sort of prejudice that we experience is a belief that keeps us imprisoned. And so when we liberate our ancestors from any sort of prejudiced belief, we are freeing them. It's a type of freeing. But that racism and ancestors, while it does need to be healed, it can't necessarily be separated out from a larger experience of their life that needs to be healed. Meaning that here in America or here in the Western world, we have like foot doctors and butt doctors and face doctors, right? But it's a body, it's an ecosystem. And so I think it would be a mistake to assume that we can just heal the racist part of an ancestor without also healing the misogynistic part, the self-loathing part, the part that was oppressed themselves. We have to heal an ancestor as a whole being with a whole experience. We can't just go in part and parcel and heal the parts that are troubling us right now. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, because I mean, I think a lot of time like we accept racism into our lives because it connects to some sort of psychological thing, right? Like I want mommy and daddy to love me and they believe this thing. So therefore I'm going to shout it out too, right? Like it's, it's kind of connected in some way to that. Totally. Um, on top of then all of the cultural and systemic things that then just help build upon that. And then, you know, like everything we forget, like, oh, it was because I want a mommy and daddy to love me. And it's just because it's
1: what I believe. And mommy and daddy were racist. And so to get them to love me, I had to adhere to their beliefs.
0: Right. Or, or what have you. So uh, and racism, I don't want to, like,
1: break it down to just that. because No, no, no.
0: It's bigger than that, obviously. 100%. But I, I think just in relation to what you were saying.
1: In relation to the ancestral healing portion of things, in my, ex, in my experience, and it's limited, and I could be totally wrong, but, you know, in the same way that, like, none of us are well until all of us are well, like, to, to heal a life of your ancestor, we have to heal the whole life.
0: Right. Now, there... uh was a post on Instagram from House of Hoodoo, H A U S. Oh yeah. Of Hoodoo. Uh, so it was brought to our attention by another one of our followers. Uh, you know, because uh in their post, uh, they're actually talking about as above so below. Uh, But basically saying, you know, that we are an extension of our ancestors, right? Created in their likeness. Therefore, down here mirrors, you know, of them up there. And she's using the phrase up there just, you know, to reference it. Um, So basically they say, what I'm going to say right now is very important. And some might feel some type of way about it, but that won't change what I'm saying being true. Non-POC who consider themselves allies in this fight against racism, this fight against police brutality, and the system's need to pray to their ancestors heavily. Your ancestors are just as oppressive in the spiritual world as they were when they were down here. Yes, I know non-POC like to wash their hands and say my ancestors did this, not me. Your ancestors are still doing it, and you must face that. Your job should be to dismantle the system that they, in spirit, are still fighting to protect and uphold. In order to see change down here, you need to change up there first. You need to change the way you pray. It is not enough to pray to your guides and ask for love and peace. You need to speak directly to your bloodline. You want to be on our side spiritually? This is how you do it. Set your ancestors straight, because as long as y'all stay silent, they stay powerful. Any change we see down here is because we won that battle up there first, and still that is not enough.
1: I mean, that's really powerful. I agree with everything she said there. Like, our our beliefs do not—our beliefs in life are just as powerful as our beliefs in death. Right. And the amount of untended dead that we have, particularly in this country, um, knowing full well the— genocidal history of just america and how it's not been i mean reconciled's not the right word even th- to be addressed fully yeah. in its scope and scale addressed in really yeah 100% is part of this and so i have no idea where house of hoodoo gets their information and i can't even pretend to interpret that but I know from my experience of working with ancestors is that our ancestors are so committed and connected to our doing well in life because we are literally their body. And so if we make it clear to any racist, prejudiced ancestors in our bloodline that we are not here for them, that might make a really big difference because they, they want nothing more than to align with us. Mm-hmm. For the sake of the bloodline. It's the same thing as like having the courage to speak up to like your racist living family members if right. they want to align with you. There's really no difference. But I'm not necessarily like I'm I'm not necessarily suggesting that you should just like call in any old racist ancestors because they might be powerful <laughs> as fuck. Right. And be you, like, it's like opening up a Ouija board and yeah. like getting into a spiritual warfare that you are not entirely prepared for, which is why I'm suggesting that you resource the luminous ancestors to help you with this. Right. Because you have them. Everybody's got some. The way Daniel talks about it is you place them between you. You place the luminous ancestors between you and the unwell ancestors, and you ask the luminous ones to inform you and teach you how how to affect change. And generally... It's just your awareness of the luminous ancestors and your intention that the luminous ancestors do something that then empowers those luminous ancestors to tend to the unwell ones.
0: No, I think that's really great. And I think you're right. Yeah, because you do want to approach it safely. You want to be safe.
1: (laughs) You don't want to be the girls from the craft making a mess of things.
0: You really don't. (laughs) No. But I think it is really important and harkens back to what we were saying earlier that
1: you have to start with yourself. Right. And because if you're not clear, you guys, you're going to go into your ancestral line and you're just going to make even more of a mess. Yeah. So that's why it's important that you have to be really clear on what in you is still not healed.
0: Yeah. And I would say then if you do have some sort of racist mother, father, aunt, sister, cousin, that it's and is in affecting your life and you can't Face them and confront them in any sort of successful or even empowering way, then you probably should not be trying to do that work on the ancestral level.
1: And I would take it one step further, which is that if you have a racist mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandmother, or grandfather, chances are because they raised you, there's racism in you too that needs to be addressed. And it's probably really sneaky, probably hiding in the shadows. We all have it. so We all have to accept that. Now's the time to seek it out. Yeah. And understand what its true nature is.
0: Yeah, and how it's been expressing itself in our lives. Yeah. Like that's what we're all doing right
1: now. Yeah. And then you're more empowered to help others in this process. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think it's really easy to like be uncomfortable with your own hidden latent racism. And so you just like want to go around and like fix all the other racists that you see. And that's bypassing. Start with you. The nice thing about you is you're right there. Here you are. You don't got to go nowhere. You can always (laughs) get yourself on the phone.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. So hopefully that covered. Didn't scare you all away. You know that well uncovered that topic um, to some degree. Now I think the other topic that came up, you know, from a few people was about, you know, appropriation, and you know, somebody referenced it as, you know, integrative acculturation versus appropriation. One of our uh, Instagram besties, Rev Fan Book Club, pointed out uh, the importance of crediting and respecting the culture that all spiritual rituals, tools, et cetera, originate from, which I'm just shouting that out directly because that is incredibly important.
1: Yeah, for Um, sure.
0: And that also kind of goes back to what I was talking about, even when Justin talking about tarot decks and making sure that you aren't just putting imagery out there or ideas out there because you feel like it's of the moment, but that you are actually doing it and promoting the lineage of something
1: well and having respect and gratitude for how it made its way to you in the first place exactly and i mean we can call it what it is like you know
0: it's primarily like indigenous cultures that have been appropriated in the spiritual world uh yeah (laughs) there's no yeah denying that
1: for sure Um, and fetishized as well completely uh which is why i'm always an advocate to finding your own authentic spiritual practice based on your own authentic ancestry. Right. And that there is a shamanic culture no matter where in the world you came from. Like, shamanic practice predates religion, so if you're Irish, you can explore what is authentically shamanic in that culture. Yeah. If you're Jewish, it's there. You know, you don't need to go reach to, you know the native americans both north and southern just because it's maybe the most well known right now or it seems the most glamorous or what have you it's important i think to reach inwards first
0: yeah but but let's let's dive into it like how do you practice integrative acculturation and have it not be appropriation you know i mean we you know, like, and, and and let's just do that through our own lens. Like, we bang drums and shake rattles, which are, let's face it, very specific to certain cultural practices, or at least bring up reference to that.
1: Yeah. I and, mean, drums and rattles, to be fair, like, if you go back far enough, like, that's a pretty common musical instrument that exists.
0: Yeah, se. but used within certain types of rituals in the way that they are used... I would argue, is pretty specific. So how does one integrate that cultural work into their life in a authentic, meaningful way and have it not be an expression of
1: appropriation? Well, I mean, it's a really good question. And maybe I'm totally wrong here, but I know like using using sonic drivers that's what we're talking about using some form of percussion whether it be a rattle whether it be a drum whether it be chanting is pretty common throughout all pre-contact cultures around the globe
0: yes but don't you think the ones like but let's be real like the the ones that we familiarize them with are from a very specific are from very specific cultures I'm not entirely clear like the drums that we can purchase and the rattles we purchase oh you mean tend, the literal
1: you mean the literal items yeah the oh, literal items meant, got it okay
0: like no tend totally to yeah, yeah, yeah yeah stem from very specific cultures totally and even like I would f- I would argue the like forms of chanting or singing that I hear sometimes perpetuated primarily by white practitioners, echo very deeply with the same sounds that come from specific types of indigenous cultures. So how does one approach that from a place of non-appropriation? And again, I think the words that they use are like integrative acculturation.
1: Yeah, no, I it brings up a lot. And I think the first thing we all need to learn how to do is to ask permission Mm -hmm. and to be able to discern a yes and a no. Right.
0: But who are we asking permission from?
1: Okay. Well, I think if you're going to, if you're going to buy a drum, you're going to buy some rattles. I have a drum. I have rattles that were made by native indigenous Americans. They made them. I bought them directly from them. So I'm assuming, and maybe I was wrong here, but the fact that they sold them to me seems like permission to use them. And also the fact that I'm not buying these things from some white guy that paid them a certain amount of money and then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, hawked up the prices. So that feels, that feels more in alignment to me, you know, now maybe I should just make my own drum, you know, maybe I should just make my own rattles, but I liked being able to have the encounters with the artisans that created these things and I like being able to support them. Yeah.
0: And I'm not, this isn't me calling you out. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. I don't feel called out. and I think
1: we can talk. I'm totally comfortable talking yeah. about, you know? Um,
0: but I think it's important, right? For all of us to really consider these things. Yeah. If we're buying a rattle at, you know, a store in Larchmont, as opposed to where buying it, it from? from a reservation totally. directly or what have you, or yeah, engaging in some direct commerce For with sure.
1: the people who have physically made it so we're like, talking this about the shit we need to be thinking yeah, yeah, about we're, now we're talking about two things and i've gotten them a little conflated one is about the literal objects and then the other is about the practices right so the objects themselves yeah like you need to know who made it and you need to make sure that you have permission to use it uh in the way that you want to use it and you need to be clear about it
0: right but then i think i you know i was bringing i was mentioning it in the same context of you know also yeah having experienced You know,
1: non indigenous people chanting like indigenous people.
0: Yeah. And
1: so that's where you have to learn how to ask permission. I always feel uncomfortable from spirits. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, the way I work is I I don't have any indigenous songs that I sing. I don't have any indigenous chants that I chant. I channel it all. I have relationships with my spirits. I have and I and I sing my soul song. When you've worked to cultivate, like, very specific, like, relationships with, like,
0: ancestors of your own lineage.
1: Yeah. But I think there's this idea that we're so quick to give up our own spiritual authority that we want to appropriate from other traditions because we don't feel like we can trust what comes up from ourself. Right. But, but that's where it all came from in the first place. And so I would just encourage anyone who is really like feeling the need to reach for another culture's practice to pull your hand back and sit and, and just ask yourself, what is your intention for reaching for that? What do you feel like that's going to give you that your own relationship with your own spiritual nature can't give you, you know?
0: Yeah. One, it should involve like some sort of relationship or conversation with a person of that origin, you know? If I'm like, oh, I want to reach out and grab something from this culture, like engage someone from that culture directly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm of two minds about it, to be totally honest with you, and I can only come at it from my own experience. So I'm like, what if I heard some non-Jewish person singing a traditional Jewish healing song in some sort of ceremonial fashion, right? Like, how would I feel? On one hand, I would feel like, cool, if it works, use it. Like, it's all for healing. But on the other hand, I might be like, well, I don't know, were your ancestors German? (laughs) Like, did they participate in the Holocaust? And now you're using my... So I think it's about intention. I think it's about learning how to ask permission. And I'm not just talking about permission from people in the same way. Like we need to like ask permission from the earth. If we can like build a house on this land or like take this apple from this tree, like feeling into your own, into your body's ability to discern yes or no. Do I have permission to really sing this song? Yeah. Do I have permission to really do this dance? And, and I will tell an example from our wedding, which is that at that time I was studying um, a book that, Angel had found for me, and it's about the medicine wheel, which is a very traditional Native American system of cosmology with different placements. And I wanted to build with crystals a little medicine wheel for our wedding. And I went to the ceremony space and I asked if I had permission to build it. And I heard very clearly, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I was sad about it. I like wanted, but the important thing was that I heard absolutely not, and I didn't build it. Cause that's not mine. Mm -hmm. So sure. I can read about it and I can learn about it and I can find it interesting, but it's not, it's not for me.
0: Yeah. And that's okay.
1: And that's okay. There are other things that are for me. And so I just want to say like, there are other things that are for you, no matter your cultural background and legacy. There are some really beautiful, juicy, magical practices that you can find and we can celebrate other traditions And there might be a place in time where we can blend together certain traditions that work when we have permission and holistic understanding. Yeah. But we have to be careful of like a hodgepodge spirituality where we just like grab this from Peru because it sounds good and grab this from Siberia because it looks cool and grab this from Africa because we love the textiles. And then then we've just become truly like a shell of a spiritual practice because we don't have our own authentic soul.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah.
1: Two words you used permission and celebration
0: are so important because I think you can find something that you connect to and love it and celebrate it without
1: trying to embody it. Mm -hmm. If it's not
0: truly authentic to yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at like our Peruvian alpaca, you know, quilt hanging on the wall. Like we love it, we purchased it when we were in Peru from the from the woman who made it, and we we celebrate it, but we don't do like any ritual work with it. No, we're not like engaging with Peruvian spirituality.
0: We just love those damn alpacas. We just
1: love. I mean, and there's a sacredness to it based on the work that was put into it. Yeah, but, but we bought it from the lady who made it. Yeah, we bought it from the lady who made it.
0: She literally went to her house, <laughs> grabbed it for me <laughs>
1: while you were in a. Well, I was sick in a hotel room. Terrifying, yeah. Sickness, I was facing stupid. my own death. All right, what else? What else? God.
0: Well, I think one other thing to bring up. I mean, some you know, somebody mentioned you know the importance of like just diversifying your friend and social groups. I mean, definitely, incredibly important. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was uh, watching this amazing woman who, uh, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you really should. Her name is Sonia Renee Taylor. And she's an author and a poet, um, a phenomenal, just like divine spirit. And she was talking today about if she was like, you need to measure the work that you've done in this world by who buries, who's going to be burying you. She's like, they're just going to be a bunch of white people at your funeral burying you. You know, you didn't stand up for social justice and do the work. (laughs) She's like, but if there are black people there, brown people there, queer people there, you stood up for, and you're a white person, you stood up for something. So I thought that was like really well said. Um, and then I just think the other thing that came up, which we also touched on, but I think is worth just reiterating, is the idea of neutrality. You know, and that neutrality, um, you know, equals an alignment with oppression. And that spiritual practice does not equal being neutral. You know, we, we, again, we touched on some of that. But I think just so important as you're approaching really anything around these issues, you know, of race and of privilege, um, that especially coming from that spiritual place... There is no just quiet space to be right now. And we can't afford to just be like quiet and still anymore.
1: No, there's a warriorship element of now that we're all being called to. Mars and Pisces. So you got to be a spiritual warrior. And life is generous and will present you many opportunities to... Stand up for what you know is right. And so you may not have to seek it out. You might just have to become a little bit more present and aware to the injustices and particularly the racial inequalities that you see happening right around you in your life and just speaking out about that. You know, this is a war that's happening everywhere. Yeah. The front lines are everywhere. So you can't pretend that there isn't a war happening. And if you're a spiritual person,
0: like, your soul's work here is to become the best version of yourself that you can be in
1: this lifetime. Then you're not going to get it by staying neutral. No. And there's nothing to be neutral about.
0: My God, no.
1: Like, either you believe in equality and justice, or you don't. Like, there's no neutral here. There's no, like, well, I'm not sure what side of the line I fall on, you know? And and I, I... I just can't entirely understand. Well, that.
0: All right. Well, I hope that that was interesting. To the seven people that are still listening. <laughs> interesting, enlightening, uh, helpful, not embarrassing. Um, but yeah, again, we were just here wanting to do what we could with this platform to speak up and speak out. And Yeah,
1: because it's been here for two years now, and we're really grateful to how it's grown, and we don't take it lightly, and we want to use it as a means for as much good as possible, and to not perpetuate old, failed, outdated systems, and rather to initiate and innovate things that will work to really bring in the new world that we all want to be a part of.
0: So, it is our two-year anniversary, which is wild. It really is. So I guess I'll ask you, hon, in these two years that we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. What have you learned? Oh, my God. What haven't I learned?
1: I don't know. I feel like I'm such a different person than when we first started it two know, years this ago. This is like Drag Race where I hold up a picture of you from two years ago. What would you say to Brandon, that? Brandon,
0: what would you say? This is Brandon from t- June of, 2019, of 2018. What would you say to him if you could say anything right now?
1: I would say to him that the most important thing is to continue to pursue those things that feel good in your heart and to not get caught up in how those things are received, how those things make you money, how those things grow your ego, but to really just stay tuned in to what feels good in your heart to do. Because I know that like sitting in this room with you, And opening up this space and calling in the spirits like it feels so good and the connections that we've made with the people that listen to this podcast and are taking our classes like that feels so good and so it's it's really less about the ambition of it all you know like what is this going to do for me and what is this going to get me and more about like do you feel useful do you feel like spirit is using all of you like just follow that that's what i would say to him i love that and i'm holding up a photo of angel from 2018 I think he's got a buzz cut. Mm -hmm. What would you say to him? His skin looks so good. It still does. It still does now.
0: Thanks. I was just fishing for
1: compliments. I know. You're always fishing for skin compliments for me. Taurus rising. What would you say to this handsome man from 2018?
0: I would say buckle up. Ooh, honey.
1: Ooh. Uh, Because you're
0: about to have two of the most transformative years of your life, I
1: hope you got that
0: wig glue. Honey. <laughs> yeah, I hope that wig is glued I hope she is down, down, huns,
1: because shit is
0: about to get real.
1: But also, like, really exciting and fulfilling too. Yeah, you've just like been through the fire of transformation. Yeah, who hasn't? <laughs> no, we're all in it. No, Che, together.
0: Oh, he has too. Oh my God, he has. Yeah, we all been through it. Oh, mama, but Santa. um, but yeah. We still want to give you all a card, though, a tarot card. Yeah, I should pull a card? Yes, please. All
1: right. Okay. Let's just take a moment. Let's get grounded. You have a body. Remember that. You don't just live between your ears. You've got a whole gorgeous body, so move your awareness down into it. Just take a couple deep breaths. Connect to the cards. I'm going to shuffle them. I'm going to shuffle these cards real good, babies. And I'm just asking for one card that is the deepest, purest, most meaningful message that wants to come through for us at this time. Show us how our hearts can grow. Show us what we need to know. As above, so below. Ah, the three of wands. All right. Reversed, but three of wands, nonetheless. Babies, it's about the vision. What is the vision? What is the vision that we are holding for the world to come? if you don't have a vision you don't know what you're moving towards if you have a vision you have a plan you can work backwards from it so i think it's really important right now for each and every one of us to hold the vision of how we want things to unfold to hold the vision for the story of the next few years the vision for the story of our planet The vision of the story of our country, the vision of the story for our own personal lives. What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? The vision, it exists. And the more that you can really be so clear on it that you can feel it, the more it can call you towards it. So we need to not just not be neutral, but we need to not be vague. We need to be very clear and very specific with what it looks like for us moving forwards, how we're going to behave, what we're calling in. What is the world you want to live in? You can't just say a better one, a more fair one. That's not going to work. The three of wands requires us to get crystal clear with the vision. So that's your work, my loves, is to challenge yourself to get clear. If this isn't working, what would work? What does it look like? What would it feel like? And then the vision will call you towards it. I love that. Thanks, Tarot Spirits. Thanks, Spirits. Thanks, all Spirits.
0: Yes, and thank you to all of you. Your Spirits, Um, too. Yeah, so yeah, we've been doing this show now for two years, and uh, I really can't believe just how many of you we've gotten a chance to connect with and how many of you listen. (laughs) and continue to listen and continue to share it. Um, It's exciting how many people continue to find us. And I believe we will have
1: another year in us. I mean, at least another two. I'm committed (laughs) to another two. Well, damn. You know, four is a completion. So we got to do it for at least four years now. All right. We're just halfway there we are if the podcast is meaningful to you in any way to you know rate us five stars to leave a review to share it it is tremendously valuable for us
0: that'll be our anniversary
1: gift yes we'd love that Wish well, us a happy anniversary share this out. please share this out. And as always, we do um, every other Saturday healing breathwork circles. Um, We do monthly astrology webinars. So we've got the cancer season webinar coming up next week. If you'd like to join us, all this information is under the events and workshops page on our website, thespiritualgaze.com. And of course, we're also here for one-on-one work, shamanic healing, tarot reading, astrology reading. We are here to support you. So don't hesitate to reach out if you feel like you need that sort of work right now.
0: Yes. We also be putting out info very soon on our astrology class.
1: Yes. Our 11 week astrology immersion happening in August. Yes. Which we are very, very excited about. So angels going to be making playlists for each one of the (laughs) signs. Don't give out too much. That's all I'm saying. saying.
0: Um, but we did get, uh, again, shout outs to Rev fan book club, who we adore. Uh, who threw out a? I thought a nice idea about chart and soul, the magic of astrology. Oh, is there like a colon? Yeah, chart and soul colon mm-hmm. the magic of astrology. Yeah, and that then each one we do after it can be a variation of chart and soul.
1: Oh, I like that. So
0: something to ponder there. That's very good. I Are know, they in marketing, like Rufan? <laughs> who knows? I don't know. We have to have like a direct call.
1: I know. Seriously. Um, All right, babies thank you for opening your hearts and your minds and allowing us to be a part of your life. I know. Two years, y'all. We appreciate you. We love you. We're here for you. Until next time, this has been your transit through The The Spiritual Gift.